Hello, 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 and welcome to the Rainy Day Smut Brigade, the weekly podcast where we read a spicy book and talk about all the juicy parts. I'm Allie. I'm Hannah. And I'm Ashley. Hello. You can follow us on Instagram or support us by becoming a member of our Patreon. This will provide you with access to exclusive content. You can email us with any questions or book recommendations at the rainy day smut brigade at gmail.com. And please, please, please don't forget to give us a high rating on your podcast platform and to share us with your friends. That really helps our numbers. What if they don't like us? Well, they can suck my dick and still share with their friends. <laughs> Perfect. We Ooh. want to remind you that this podcast is for mature audiences only. So distract your kiddos with electronic devices that will melt their brain cells. Plug in those headphones and get ready. Today we have something a little different in store for you. We are, of course, going to dive into our book, Breaker of Fate. But first, we are going to take a moment to chat with the author and, and buddy. It was such an amazing conversation we got to have with Miss Derek. Yeah, it was really interesting because I feel like her writing process was a little bit different from what I've heard Hannah talk about. And mm. Hannah's really the only like author, author that I know. The only one you know. <laughs> yeah. Don't meet anymore because then you're going to think I'm not that good. <laughs> but we love you. We think you're amazing. <laughs> you the have one. the world's best beta readers. The world's, <laughs> the world's best. Unofficial beta readers. You're technically <laughs> the, on the my beta team. The upon beta readers. <laughs> we forced it. Anyway, we had an amazing conversation with RM Derek, and we're going to play it for you, and we hope that you enjoy it, and then after we speak to her, uh, we'll get into the breakdown of the book. I'm excited. Yeah, let's go ahead. Today, we have the amazing RM Derek joining us, but you can call her Ray. You can follow her on Instagram at RM underscore Derek. Ray has been an avid reader of romance since she was 13. Reading was always her way to escape and explore. Her mom gave her her first Harlequin paperback. The skinny little ones published in the 80s and 90s with the Fabio-esque covers. And she has never looked back. If it doesn't have romance, she's not interested. When she was younger, her aspirational career was author or marine biologist. Life got in the way and those dreams floated out of reach. One, because doubt crowded in. And the second, because she lives in a landlocked state and didn't want to relocate. Makes sense. Finding the Bookstagram community was the spur she needed to dig in and write. On March 1st, she published her debut fantasy romance novel, Breaker of Fate. Derek hopes it finds readers from all walks of life who can see themselves in her characters. I had no idea that it was so recent, just March 1st. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I did. I, I read special. The, I read the arc when I was with my sister. So, everyone, say hi to Miss R.M. Derek. Hi. It's so nice to have you on with us. I'm so glad you all had me on. So tell us a little bit about yourself and getting into the reading and writing process and just how this came to be. Yeah. So I have, like you said, I've been a reader. I've always 
had the desire to want to write. And it was really finding the Bookstagram community that like really kicked things off for me. And like or most of us on Bookstagram, I would imagine Akatar is the culprit. Yeah, <laughs> we, we talked about it quite a few times on here. <laughs> it was Akatar and social media that led me to finding Bookstagram. And then it was finding other Bookstagrammers who were beginning their writing journey. And then I felt encouraged and like I had found a community of writers who were doing the thing for the very first time. And like, yeah, so it, it was really Bookstagram that had me embarking on that with a bunch of other readers turned writers or writers who had found that community and formed that. So it was, it's been just a really wonderful place that's really encouraged me and made me feel supported in writing this book. And I really credit the fact to getting all the way to publish that book because of Bookstagram. Yay. Yay. <laughs> so tell us a little bit, you mentioned Akatar, which I think we're all there, but what are some of your favorite books? I love and will tout my love for the author Olivia Dade and her books to anyone who will listen. She writes plus-size main characters exclusively and is huge inspiration to me on how she writes faithful, kind, relatable characters who just also happen to be in fat bodies. And it's something I can relate to because I'm a plus-size person, and that's why I wrote a plus-size MC myself. So I, I adore her, everything she does. I'm obsessed with Cresley Cole and her Immortals After Dark series, mm. which is a paranormal romance series. It's 15 books. <laughs> Allie knows him. She's over here shaking her head. You would know. I was going to say, you said paranormal, so chances are I've read it. You've read it. In your author journey, what were some of your most raw, frustrating moments? Was there any, like, challenges that you had to overcome or any surprises? Or It was basically just, like, self-doubt because... Yeah. The only person telling me that I couldn't publish a book or couldn't write a book was myself. There was a lot of doubt if I would ever type to the end, if I would ever pick it back up and edit it once it was done, all of that stuff. And I'm not the most consistent writer. I'm just really not. I'm not good at keeping writing habits. I have joined NaNoWriMo twice and failed twice. <laughs> I did that That's as well. Okay. I did it as well. <laughs> Failing forward. I was say, yeah, I you, think you, I've failed almost everything I've ever done. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> you haven't failed this yet. Well, say yet. <laughs> Three months in. <laughs> you haven't failed yet. Thank, thank you for the confidence, Ashley. So when did you start writing? I started writing this book in October of 2021. Okay. October And is this the first okay. book you've... I know it's the first book you published, but is it the first big thing you've written? Yeah. It is. Oh. I went and I did creative writing in school and things like that. But then after school, I just put writing away and I didn't return to it until 2021. So I know this is a series that we're going to get mm -hmm. more of. Are you just focusing on this series right now or do you have any other books in the work? I have a chapter, a prologue and a chapter one of a contemporary romance that is like a fun side project. I, that is a, such a common thing. It's like a palate cleanser. You spend so much time into like lore and fantasy world and then you just want to write, but you need something easy and something that you don't have to think through too hard through. Exactly. Yeah. yeah because I, I don't have to worry about a magic system or, yeah. or does this make sense and what the villain is doing. No, I totally get that. I did the same thing. One thing that I think is really interesting is that your last name is very similar to our female main character. So is that a purposeful, do you see your, a lot of yourself in her or? So it, it's not purposeful in the fact that my author name is a pen name. 
Oh. And I have a fun story about early drafts of Breaker of Fate. A lot of the names in the first draft came from or were inspired by a name generator. And I got <laughs> quite stuck on the Ds. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Yes. So, so before, the, the, I think I changed it in draft two for most of the things, but Reed's name was previously Dell. Justice's last name was previously Dryden. Diana, which is a side character, was previously Deidre. I had a oh, you did have a lot of with D's. a D name. I just, and I didn't see it until somebody called me on it. I was like, oh God. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. <laughs> with RM Derek. Yeah, you don't even know the little things that you do until someone else will point them out to and you're like, oh, yeah. oh oops. Yep. What kind of inspired the story? I, we Ashley and I were talking about this as we were setting up today. We want to know about the lore behind it. Was it inspired by just your love of reading or authors? Or did you do you love lore? How did this come to be? So the very, very first thing I ever wrote for Breaker of Fate and the thing that like kicked everything off for me was I had the idea for the myth of the Weaver Blessed and the Warrior. And so that was the very first thing I ever wrote for the book. And that was the main concept and it stayed pretty faithful through the different drafts, that part of it. And that's the main core of the story. And I love that I have characters with past lives that I can dive into and things like that. And I think with some of the other things that are popular on Bookstagram with Fae stories and things like that, we get touches of those kinds of elements in my book, but I would hope (laughs) that it's more original take on that and I like that it's something different from some of the other stuff that's largely popular that we're seeing it was I feel like it was original yeah I felt yeah to me it was original the including the inclusion of the other magical characters which I'm used to even that was original the different gods they worshipped how they all didn't worship the weaver and what they did worship I thought was interesting I thought that was somewhere you could go and I wanted to learn more about that which I know this is I want to learn some more about the backstories too yeah like the the previous lives (laughs) yeah so those were really intriguing parts and particularly Maslin and let me ask you a question is Maslin they because the demons in your world don't have genders? No. So Mazelin is singular and that they are use they, them pronouns. Okay. Not okay. that there's not anybody else in the world who doesn't also use they, them pronouns, but it's not something that's common to demons. Okay. okay so that's a choice. That was a that's question. That's just how they chose to present. Yeah. Okay. I was curious because I didn't know if it was something particular to demons or if that was particular to Mazelin. Who was, I think, one of our favorite characters. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, they were my they favorite. favorite. They I were my favorite the- character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I highlighted more of their lines and like the snarky things that they said yes, than anyone yeah. else when I was going through my Kindle. I really liked the thought of their braid and their sharp teeth. Yeah. <laughs> there was one that I... And how they kept calling her Morsel. I Morsel. liked that. That was yeah. cute. <laughs> there was one line that they said that I died laughing. I just love the weaver's tits. Weaver's tits. <laughs> weaver's I had tits. fun with that one. I was like, I want like world specific curses. Yeah. And I, that one just was like, the second it came to me, I was like, that's it. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, I love that. They are constantly giving the others a hard time and like yeah. picking at justice. That's my favorite part. Just the consistently. Yeah. <laughs> when they first came out, I was expecting them to be like very terrifying i don't know like it was a jump it it was (laughs) but i was expecting that to be like the carryover and then when they started like being funny and like 
you were thinking kidding around. They were I was more like cold. Yeah, and I thought that they were gonna come off more cold and unfeeling, and then they started coming out with all these little quick wit things. Yeah, I was it like, was, oh, I like you a lot. Yeah, with your bony hands and your teeth and your a very interesting character. Since we're talking a little bit about like the queer rep, I noticed. I don't know if y'all did. I noticed a lot of undertones of like feminism and, of course, positive LGBTQ rep in the book. Can you tell us your thoughts on bringing this in? And we love it. So I don't think it was like anything deliberate. It's just like that's part of me that's in the story and my beliefs and the communities I want to support and the stories that I want to tell that involve people from those communities. So it was important to me that I have characters that reflected the inclusion I wish we had in our world. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's a good way <laughs> to say it. I'm going to write a fantasy world. I don't want to bring all the shit that we deal with <laughs> in real life. It's fantasy it. for a reason. Yes. No, I love exactly. that. I love positive representation like that. Yeah, and I love the fat representation, too. It was done very well. It was done very well, and I think that is something that is lacking in a lot of mm-hmm. fantasy romance. They That's all, exactly why I wrote it. Yes. They all have these home-toned bodies, and a lot of them, it seems. Yeah. And they're what's the phrase that they're always like? I never considered myself to be a beautiful... And yet they're but my abs, they're just there. Yes. <laughs> I eat pizza every day and my body just burns it away. all models. And even Poppy from, from Blood, Blood and, Ash. and Ash, she is not tiny or skinny, but she still has like a very She's model. Tone, as, yeah. Tone. Almost toned, but almost a Marilyn Monroe mm-hmm. figure. So to have someone who is just petite and what would you say? What is the word you would use for I would say plus size or fat okay. because for me, fat is just a descriptor, just like skinny is yes, a descriptor. So, so too, yeah. it's like for some people, that's an insult when they're called fat, but it's literally just a description of the size of your body. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with you as a person, right. if you are a nice person or not. Thank you for saying that. I really, I I listened to a podcast called Maintenance Phase. Oh, I love that one. Oh yeah. It's like my favorite podcast. It's the only podcast I do a Patreon support for. <laughs> <laughs> And I just love their their whole take on wellness and everything. I mentioned them before on this podcast. So I get very excited when I see authors do things like this because it's something I'm passionate about because I have not had a fat body, but I love fat people. And breaking down my own prejudices and my own biases, not just again, like not just with fat people, but with myself, my own body, um, like seeing this is helpful to all people of all sizes because weight and fat stigma such a real thing Mm -hmm. bias that we don't even realize we have so the more representation out there just the better it's going to be exactly and that's why I wanted to write specifically a fantasy romance with specifically a fat or plus size main character because that is a niche genre that does not see enough plus size characters we have poppy who is on social media regularly skinny washed to the point that like makes me upset and then we have some of scarlet sinclair's characters are plus size but then there's 
differing messages from the authors and the fan art that they choose to share or commission just muddies the water for me. And so my goal as an author writing plus size bodies is to faithfully represent that and to make sure it is something that I don't belittle or hide. And that can be hard (laughs) when you are not writing the in body style size. And that's really important to me is that people in larger bodies see themselves and there's not going to be a makeover or training montage where Derek's goal is to get her body smaller to be the main character. That's Bryce. never going to happen in the series. Amen. I guarantee that. Even Bryce from Crescent City, the first time I read that, like I, I pictured a plus size woman in all of the fan art. Very few fan art actually has her depicted as what she's curvy and voluptuous I was gonna say she's voluptuous but it's like she's got big boobs and you know and the thing is is people because they look at weight as a signal for health which it is not yep they don't think that a plus size character can wield a sword can fight can be plus size and still do all those things that there's almost like a stigma against well, you can exactly. be healthy you can be healthy and unhealthy at literally every size and we yep. what we've done to and what this country has done and not just our country but others too to to stigmatize weight is terrible because most and we don't have to do this in podcast most people with an eating disorder are overweight yeah they're overweight you, people. you can't know by looking at somebody if they have an eating disorder or not and people who are in plus size bodies who suffer from eating disorders have their eating disorders completely disregarded by medical professionals exactly. because mm-hmm. of fat stigma exactly you're doing the work and i really appreciate that you wrote a plus size character that is truly a plus size character thank you to continue that i really don't have any plans not to write plus size characters i would like to be the fantasy olivia date if somebody called me that i would just mm. pass away <laughs> from happiness you're like my dreams well, have and, come true and i really enjoyed how it wasn't uh, something that derica was she, she never didn't focused spend on. a lot of time thinking about it and she embraced who she was and it was just a part of who she was yeah, and I really appreciated that. I like and, that. Yeah. Yeah. I liked how much Justice was obsessed with like grabbing her her what do you call her juicy tits? What did he say at one point? <laughs> like they they <laughs> overflowed, they overflowed off of out of hand. <laughs> yeah. Oh like, yeah. He so I this is in my book synopsis, so we'll touch on this later. But he's a boob man. <laughs> like, <laughs> he a is boob definitely man. a boob man. He did. He loves to get ass because he he shoved his cock up in between her ass cheeks plenty of times. But he. Loves a good boob. So now that we're talking about the characters a little bit, can you tell us a little bit about how Derica, Reed, Justice, our favorite, Maslon, just your ideas? That you don't, you can spoil stuff for this book, but we don't want to. We don't want you to spoil <laughs> stuff for future books. Yeah. Oh no, so, I wouldn't. I don't like spoilers for stuff, and I wouldn't want to spoil anything for somebody who's really excited to see what happens in book you, two. So I won't. But for this book, you can obviously we're going to we're going to talk. Yeah, about we're going to do so. a full synopsis <laughs> of it in a little bit. But tell us a little bit about these characters. There's more of me in these characters than I had planned on there's there's this book just pulled itself out of me 
<laughs> so I'm not a plotter. I'm I don't have scads oh, and scads of notes about what I wanted the book to be or the characters to be. I just started writing and then let the story find itself and the characters find itself as I went. And so there's Mazelin is <laughs> was not planned. They were not a character that I had written down or said they were going to be part of the mercenary crew. I was just writing and they like they showed up in my ideas and then they were on the page and I was like, wow, this character's fun. <laughs> and I just let them do whatever they want. I love that. I'm... <laughs> That's it's very Mazelin. Do we need to keep, don't roll give like a real spoiler on this, but do we need to keep an eye out on any specific character for the future? For like if they're not going to be with us any longer? Or... Any, is no, there don't, any, don't, don't. don't tell us that, but is there anyone <laughs> in the backdrop of book one that we need might need to pop up in book two somewhere that we wouldn't be expecting? Uh, we may see some interesting developments with Baldwin for book two. That's what oh, I was may. hoping you'd say. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I really thought he was the bad guy. He was. The that's what I thought it was going I really to. Did yeah. too. It wasn't until the end. I was like, no, that's too obvious. Yeah. <laughs> I really thought he was going to too. I did too. Good because they were a last last draft ad. Because otherwise, without them, it was entirely too obvious who the villain is. Yeah. yeah. I think Reed and Mazelin are the two that I'm like the most excited to learn more about. Maslin, 100%. Yeah. yeah. We, again, I, and I'm sure this makes sense to Hannah because you're a writer, or at least I would hope that it would make sense because I talk to other writers and it's this way for them too. Your characters talk to you and can tell you they, they are either talking to you or they're not. And with Maslin, it's really like they're driving the bus when I'm writing. <laughs> they are driving the bus. <laughs> Constantly. They are. Yeah. They are. And they have informed me how they know all of the things that they know. And I think I'm going to have very surprised, but hopefully happy readers for book two. Don't make them bad. Oh, no. Ooh, never. I kind of like Never. I, not my precious baby. You always baby. want a bad one. I always want the people to go bad. my precious baby. <laughs> My yellow-eyed precious baby. Mm -hmm. Last question we have for you tonight. If you want someone to take one concept away from the story, what's a... What's something you want people to think about when they finish reading it? One of the big themes of the book, and it'll continue because it's it's just how it is, is grief and Derek's grief for her mother. And I just, the messages I've gotten from readers, how they've connected with that and how it, much it's meant to them and even how healing it's been for them to read somebody who's gone through a similar experience to something they have experienced in their life has been just incredibly touching and validating for the book that I wrote. And so I just want readers to take away that we have sadness and we have grief in our lives and that healing isn't linear. It's tough sometimes. It's really tough. That was going to be one of the things when we talked about something that we liked from the book. That was going to be something that I talked about. It was one of my, I felt was really represented well. Just like it hits her at random moments. She's reminded of her mom. Sometimes she just wants her mom. I lost my dad last year and I also had to be a caretaker for him. It's hard. It's just like physically draining on your body it's mentally draining and then that time after they're gone so I felt like you handled it like really well really beautifully thank you yeah I liked a lot of it she she feels like she's just wondering she just 
she doesn't know what to do now. Mm-hmm. Like, whole part of her life is gone. And, like, that time afterwards where you're trying to figure out, like, what comes next. You, you yeah. feel like you need to move on, but it feels wrong to move on. Yeah. Um, so, I felt like that was... Really, it you was just did really a great well. job with that, yeah. Thank you. Do you have a timeline for when you would like to have book two out? I don't. I'm not the fastest or can, most consistent writer, as I said, but I would like for it to be out maybe at approaching the end of this year, maybe beginning of next. That would be like a conservative-ish timeline. I work a full-time job and so writing is my second job. And some days that's really hard. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I can see that. It's for whatever Maslin, whatever, wherever they lead you is yeah. the timeline. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Honestly, they're in charge, not me. <laughs> Maslin is in charge. Thank you so much for joining us, Ray. We can't wait to read the rest of this trilogy and whatever else you have in store next. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you. And f- listeners, don't forget that you can follow Ray on Instagram at RM underscore Derek. I just followed her. <laughs> D-E-R-I-C-K? Yes. yes. Yep. And we'll have her link in the show notes. All right. We'll Thank, you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Yay. <laughs> Thank you so much, girl. Thank you. All right, as this is our first indie author interview with her debut novel, and as I myself am an indie author, I wanted to share some facts with you about indie authors and how we do this. Let us educate me. So I went to Google and I looked up what is an indie author. And it says, an indie author is a writer of fiction, nonfiction, or poetry books who self-publishes their own works and retains and controls their own publishing rights. So a lot of people... There's like a big gray area in vanity and self-publish and traditional publish and all this different stuff. What is vanity? I was going to say. Yeah. Vanity is like, sometimes it's a subsidy of a publishing house, like a big five publishing house. It's like a smaller little house Mm -hmm. under it. Nine times out of 10 though, vanity is like your MLN of the publishing world. They're going to make you pay them to publish your book. Okay. And you're going to get like a logo and some random Instagram account who has 200 followers is going to post your book. And it's really just a scam. Vanity is not the name of a specific. No, it's like a type. category. Yeah, category. So, like, you have, like, regular publishing. Vanity publishing is kind of in the middle. Like, technically, you retain most of the rights, but they get a little bit of the profit as well. But you really don't get anything from them. So, what's the point? Right. You, you just get something that makes you look more official You, you get a little beautiful little thing on the spine that gotcha. looks like a publishing house most of the time. And sometimes that just looks more professional. But, I mean, you can make that. And, I mean, as an indie author, I'm in the process of making one to put on mine. So do it, girl. No point on it. Indie authors are independent authors who sell their books. They it says that I looked this up on Google and I was trying to do a lot of research and I just don't agree with this. It says that um, most people can receive up to like 96 percent profit depending on printing printing costs. I mean, if if you're if you're printing a pamphlet, maybe. But I about 50 percent of my costs go to printing. Um, but it does say the average self-published book sells about 250 copies. That's a lot. 
I would have. That's pretty good. Yeah. I would have guessed lower just because the amount of like self published books out there. I'd yeah, be there's like, a lot. There's so many that I'd be like, wow, they're not going to sell very They're many. not going to sell. Yeah. No. There's so many. Well, and then there's a, so many who self published that don't have a social media following. So they mm-hmm. don't. Yeah. It's like really hard to generate yeah. that kind of like organic following so that's they don't gonna have those mass, mass purchasing at the beginning and when you say independent authors are selling self-published books uh, 250 copies is that including like reads on a kindle like unlimited yeah yeah okay yes ashley ashley's raising her hand yes i might have known this before but i am just now putting together that indie means independent <laughs> I said that just to make Allie angry. You did like independent artists, independent songwriters. I don't, I did it. Never occurred to me. You did know this, actually. Because it you has had I, to know. It has an I-E at the end. That's not how you spell independent. <laughs> yeah, but you, the way you have to shorten it is you have to make it I-E. Okay, I get that now as I'm sitting here and heard you say independent Do you author. want me to go into the English grammar? Because I she could teaches maybe it. figure it out from what I, I teach. I get why it has to be I-E. <laughs> I could treat you like my students and be like, I think this is why. But one of the joys of my life is expressing the things I do not know and watching your toes like or watching you like cringe. One of the joys of my life is watching you learn things that I feel like are just you, that's normal. I live to bring you joy, Ashley. You, you, do you know how long it took me to understand the um, the K jingle? Every kiss Every begins, begins with, with K. K. Oh my God. Can we even say that on here? I don't know. If you know the K Jewelers jingle, it, what do you mean? I didn't, didn't get it until it. I was grown. Do you get it? Allie doesn't get it. I mean, it, it starts with a K. Okay, she does get it. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But I was thinking every kiss begins with a piece of jewelry from K Jewelers. And I never got the second. Well, every, <laughs> every kiss begins with a piece of jewelry. Walt. Uh, or yeah, it I'm begins just letting with you know. Sending. I thought that Tell was Walt their that. only claim. And it wasn't until I was at least an older teenager or maybe even grown that it occurred to me. I'm so proud of you. You should be. I'm so proud of you. I'm an intelligent person. You know this what? This is the thing. Why am I so there dumb? There are different. Everybody thinks that intelligence is just like this scale of like from like the bottom to the top. But there's so many different variations. It is a, it is diverse. <laughs> so, because sometimes I'm like, Ashley, you idiot. You fucking idiot. <laughs> I'll keep my mouth closed. I'll check my Big Brother Canada updates. When Allie doesn't it does, says something dumb one day, it will happen. We have to. Have I it once recorded. drove by a car dealership and said, "Oh my gosh, what's happening in the car dealership? So many cars there." I was like, "I wonder what's going on." So that's like Michael. He had a third day. He was like, God, I was in the car with him. He was like, man, this is like, they've been playing a third day marathon all freaking day. I said, oh, third day, all day. And third day is a Christian band. He's like, man, it's just got a marathon going. I was like, Michael, you have a CD playing. <laughs> <laughs> he really likes third day. He was like, why is this marathon going on? Oh, Michael, Michael, Michael. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Now, to take us out of our dumb moment, the average self-published author makes about $1,000 per year from their books, which is, to me, seems, knowing the effort that you have to put into a book and the cost it Mm -hmm. takes to publish a book is like, 
now. Yeah. But yeah. that makes me sad. But at the same time, they did write a book. So I feel happy for them. Right, right. You're like, this is an accomplishment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I will say there's, I was talking to someone when I first published a book and I was like, I will forever have a book out there with my name on it. May right. never do anything, but mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it says 33% of self-published authors make less than $500 a year, which is so sad because if you truly actually get a true editor and an illustrator and do all the things and get your yeah. ISBN codes and all that, um, you're spending like two grand mm-hmm. easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, ugh. But the f- most frustrating thing I find about uh, self-publishing is right now Amazon has the monopoly on it. So mm-hmm. Kindle Direct yeah. Publishing is really all we can really do if we want to get our books out there. And they have a 60% royalty rate, which means they automatically take 40% off the top. So if I sell a book for 20 bucks, they're going to take 8 bucks off the top no matter what. Mm-hmm. I make 12 bucks from it, but then my printing costs, if it's a 300-page novel, which, I mean, any normal actual novel, it's going to cost me 8 to $10 to print it. So I may sell my book for 20 bucks on Amazon, but I'm going to make 2 bucks off of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Which just sucks. And Amazon's going to make eight bucks. Mm -hmm. Without having to do the work that goes into that. They do nothing. But And then it's not even like the cost, but you just have like a whole set of teams that you have to have. And typically you don't have to pay a lot of people other than your editor or your illustrator. But then you have like your alpha reader, who's the first person who reads the book for you. You have your beta team, which is normally like four to ten people who you trust really well to give you good critiques. Then you have your arc team, which are the people who are going to promote your book. So just to let you guys know, Ashley and I basically forced Hannah to let us be beta readers. <laughs> we did. First, we I loved said, it. Hey, you're an author. We just met you at the pool. Let us read your book and we'll tell you our, all, every single thought that pops into our and head. And I sent so, you sent so many messages. Me I loved that it. You had to clear it out. I did. I had to clear it out because it over, um, it overrode it or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Told me that it was overloaded, could not add any more. I just remember the one that was in all caps when Sam and Callum were going to his beach house. And you were like, he's taking her to Pemberley. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I think it's Pride and Prejudice. I love that. All, all the notes. We'll take it all the time. All right. So enough about this boring stuff. It wasn't boring. There are people sure? out that there. That was helpful because I have like kind of thought like how much do like most indie authors, you know, kind of make. Yeah. I think it varies. Like yeah, I know, I know yeah. an indie author who doesn't do any social media promotion and she has probably, she's had a couple books out for like five years and she's maybe made three or $400. Mm-hmm. But then I know a ton of self-published authors who are bringing in five hundred to five thousand mm-hmm. dollars a month. Mm-hmm. You know, Sarah from Sarah in Wonderland, who we had on the other week, she and I were talking about indie authors one time because she does a lot of arcs and beta reads. She said, "You know, there's a difference between like a writer and a storyteller. Like anyone can write something, but like, are you really a storyteller? And yeah. that's that's the key. Is can you tell a story? Let's take a break, and then we'll get right back into the book." All right, let's get into our book synopsis. As we said, we read Breaker of Fate. 
Right. So when this book opens up, we meet our female main character, Derica, and we find out that she's going through a rough time following the death of her mother. We talked about this a little bit with our author. And she has her best friend with her, and they are at a gathering in their little town. Just like a, a right. A right. She can't ha- deal with it. She goes off, and hunky commander of the mercenaries comes in, Hadrian. We learn about the Shredded, which is the antagonist of our book, which we don't know much about other than they terrify the local people and are somewhat not human. We learn a lot about some rituals. There's some religious backdrop to the story, which I really found pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. And Reed and Derica end up traveling. They're best friends, completely platonic, and they end up traveling to um, Radley, which is a city. Seemed like the... More of a metropolis. Yeah. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. And they're traveling with Father Seaman and a few others. And of course, Hunky Hadrian. They end up meeting with them because they don't have any room in an inn. And while they're with them on the road, we end up getting a jump scare from Maslin, who is our favorite character in the book. They get caught up in some trouble. The shredded come out. Derica and Hadrian, who we learn is Justice, is his first name, end up in a cottage that kills some shredded and they have our first sex scene. Which Well, he, they don't. It is a sex scene, I guess, but they don't go all the way. Because he, they, there's some handsy out. pansy. They don't have intercourse. There's they don't no have penis and vagina. Penile intercourse. They get handsy, Never though. say that again, ever. <laughs> Especially, you guys, this is a podcast. You couldn't see her face while she said it. She turned her head. But it was hard. It was hard. It was hard to watch. It was cringy. (laughs) I know. I love doing that to y'all. You do it so well, which is scary. It's slightly terrifying. I hope when she and Michael go to have sex, she says, Penile. Can you? Can we have penile intercourse tonight? Can you please do it? Your please. Face. Your face, Ellie. <laughs> you. All right. So as we said along the way, they get caught up in some trouble. They end up in a cottage, and Hadrian gets a little handsy with the boobs. We find out this man is a boob man, and we also find out from his point of view this time. So we get a little bit of his point of view. There's multiple POVs in this book, and I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. We find out about the backstory, the lore, the loom, the Weaver blessed. I love this whole backstory. It's just for me, like as a fantasy lover. It's not super detailed, but it's enough that it really, I don't know, it caught me. I loved it. So we learned that Derek and Hadrian are reincarnated lovers who have to meet in the next lifetime only for him to kill her. It's his fate. It's his fate. Breaker of fate. Will it be broken? Will it be broken? This is the breaker. After the cottage scene, we do some time jumps, like six months here. Yeah. We end up in Radley. You know, they're working for the church. There, Lots of stuff is going down. We have some will they, won't they moments. Justice Hadrian, who, not my favorite male main character yeah only because not in this lifetime not in this lifetime only because he was i don't want to say he's not my favorite because he was like depressed but he was just so wouldn't didn't want to do anything about it just, yeah nope, i'm gonna step back yeah i don't want i don't want to mess it up i don't want to do anything whatever. it was hard because it's like i understand his reasoning but also his reasoning it was like his fault that he's in that situation mm-hmm. so i didn't have as much sympathy for him for what he was going through yeah and I, I actually felt- had no sympathy for something someone did thousands of years ago. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was his own selfishness that led to this. Because <laughs> he wanted to be with the he love of his life be- forever. But it's romantic. 
He wanted to be with her forever. That isn't how life he works. He made a deal with the demon. Would you make a deal with a demon for Michael? No. Would you make... Allie's like, yeah. I'm I would make a deal anyway. with a demon because I like the idea of making like a, a deal, deal with a demon. demon. <laughs> I started to ask you and I'm like, nah, if Allie would do is, it. I don't want to live forever, <laughs> though, so... Yeah. If the deal is, you have to let me have penile intercourse, then I would... <laughs> I just snotted all over the microphone. <laughs> then I'd do it. Then you do it. We're working for Father Simon. We're, she's going through her grief. And uh, Justice is being a douchebag off to the side yeah and he's with a he ends up getting with a lady in a tavern yeah, something like that and what does he say about her nipples actually they just weren't the right color they weren't right the right shade of berry <laughs> they weren't the right berry nipple they weren't and then they were very wrong my nigga ask Walt if i have the right berry nipple he'd ask michael i don't uh, martin wouldn't care he's just like it's a boob I, it'd be like the veins aren't the right pattern going through I'd it be like Walt, you couldn't tell if that wasn't my boob <laughs> I'm going to get put on fake boobs and see if you can tell. All right. So we end up at some point finding that Reed has been kidnapped and they have to go on a quest to find him. Lots of little twists and turns. Maslin, of course, is amazing mm-hmm. with all of their little quips and things that they say. And they know knowledge they know of knowledge. more than what we know. Yes. They know things. They know things. They know more than I do. They would never make the mistakes I've made today. Mm. Just today? Just today. It's been one of those days. They would know what Indy meant. Oh, you're going to fret on that, aren't you? No. You're going to fret? I feel like you're going to fret. Allie has made me just... You I have tough skin? I don't care anymore. Yeah. This I is a positive. I have imparted to her the art of just not giving a not fuck anymore. Not giving a fuck. <laughs> I didn't even have to read the book. Allie <laughs> did a it book. for me. <laughs> and so back into our book. We actually find that Reed dies by Derricka's hand, but um, he ends up coming back to life. And how does that happen? She makes a deal. She makes a deal? I didn't catch that. You didn't catch the deal she made? No. I caught the deal that she made, but I didn't know it was with the weaver. I thought it was with the weaver. She is it's not. the weaver. She's the weaver. They say. I thought they said. At the end. Oh, they do, because. <laughs> You're right, they do. Because they say, oh, Derricka, little breaker of fate, you poor girl, you're the weaver. I even highlighted that. That was the big twist at the end. Okay, I guess that was where I was confused, and I probably should have cleared this up with more with the author in our interview. So we got to find out what happens in book two now. Yeah. Mm. All right, so in the book, there were three big smutty parts. We had the initial, like, their first time in the cottage where they didn't go all the way, but they... But can we talk about, can I add this in? Uh-huh. One of the reasons they didn't go all the way was because, because Justice noti- noticed the mark uh-huh. on her neck. He didn't know who she was And he first. didn't know he, who she was at first. And then he peaced out, like, the biggest douchebag. Yeah. He got scared and was like, fuck this. Holy shit. Yeah. That's it. she's it's her? Yeah, mm-hmm. I tailed it out of there. So we had the cottage scene and then the first time that they go all the way in his little hidden apartment is the second big smutty scene. And then the next one is there being high schoolers in the street getting real handsy with each other. Yeah. And those are really like our three tr- big smutty, smutty scenes. Things. My question is which one of those is your favorite? I think in his apartment. I was gonna say that. Um because to me it's more genuine on his part because he's accepted Mm -hmm. at that point. I can't turn back. This is what I'm going to have to do. I will say I was still a little mad at him in his apartment for the way that he had approached it. I get, like, where his guilt is coming from. 
I just also was really frustrated with just like how he did it. I don't know how he just really, he kept, I felt like he just kept rejecting her with no clear Mm -hmm. communication and he would be so hot and cold with her. And it just wasn't fair to her at all. Yeah, she had no idea. And he knows who she is. And so he knows that they have like a super strong bond. And so for him to act like he doesn't know that she also feels that bond in that pool is weird to me. His reasons are selfish. He doesn't want to go through hurting her again. Because he doesn't want to. He doesn't like that her. guilt that he feels that he when carries. he has to do okay. that. Not to be fair, he has to murder her. Yeah, I'm not yeah, saying that sucks. his feelings are it wrong. Sucks. But it, ultimately, for me, his are selfish. Yeah, I was kind of And there's like, no clear it. communication to her. And she just is constantly feeling rejection. I'm like, if you're going to say no, you need to remove yourself and not be Completely. anywhere near. Completely. I also didn't love that he was also with lots of women knowing that she was out there i think it's weird that he's so in love with his soul thread but because he hasn't met her yet he's just sleeping around all the time that is like a weird character trait for someone who has lived so many lives and been so in love with this one soul thread to then go seek pleasure in other places is like a weird it it doesn't track to me i think it's like you're choosing your own bodily functions when you know that there's a potential for your soul thread to be in your life but i see it as like even in the future i see it as there should be no one if you have a soul thread someone who you're so in love with that you're doing all this stuff for you're not really going to be attracted to other women because it would it doesn't feel right and you are thinking about that person because he can remember it so he knows exactly what he's feeling I don't know for me I don't know if it's necessarily cheating cheating but for me it is feels icky and it feels like cheating I kept wondering where are their descendants they've got to have descendants out there maybe they don't because but they talked about we were supposed to grow old and have children and grandchildren in one of the lifetimes yeah but I think she died pretty young in that one in that one but he remembers so he's saying Mm. we were supposed to so supposed to and we've done this before yeah I feel like that they've done it before I want to know where I'm kind of under the impression that she kept dying Dying pretty young. Maybe she. Oh no! No, because then he wouldn't say we're supposed to. We're supposed to. Yeah, like maybe it was you're supposed to get there. Maybe we'll find, we'll find out. out book two. I should have asked. So, do you think that Derica and Justice are in it for the long haul? I think they have yeah, to be. Yeah. I think with it's like a faded mate, faded mate thing. Yeah, and we already answered this, but what kind of frustrated us about Justice? Because I know in our text message while we were reading, I think that was the one frustration we had was just. Yeah. I was like, just get over it. You got to kill her. <laughs> you got to kill her. All right. So in terms of our vibrator setting, Miss Ashley, get ready. In terms of our vibrator setting, is this book a one, a two, or a three? I'd give it a one. I'd give it a one. I gave it a one, too. Yeah. I see it going further in book two. Yeah. I definitely think we're going to. Yeah. They didn't really have the chance after they got mm-hmm. together the first time to. So kind of like a. Mm. I like it. And Erica. From Derek, yeah. Yeah. She definitely was not feeling that on that after that first time. No. (laughs) She's a little pissed. She was not. All right. So now that we've talked about Breaker of Fate by R.M. Derek, remember you can go follow her on Instagram. Next week, we are going to read At Your Age, Eve Brown by the amazing Talia Hibbert, who wrote 
a book that we did a few weeks ago. Get a life, Chloe Get Brown. Get a life, Chloe Brown. I'm this is so, about so exciting. Chloe's it's, sister. Yeah. I'm so excited for Chloe's this. Chloe's sister, Eve. And, and it she's was on the, the spectrum. Yes, that's what it is. She's on the spectrum. Yeah. Oh, I'm so ready for this. I'm so excited. So excited. Yeah. I'll be leading that discussion. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rainy Day Smut Brigade. The show was produced by myself, Allie, and Hannah. And we were so glad you joined us this week. And as always, we wish you good sex to you. Good sex, sex to you. If y'all could see all our hand motions. We're doing we a little circle like we're going to bow. I'm going to turn this off before I fart. <laughs> Down tonight.